All right, what's up, everybody? We are live once again with Lucas Siebert. If you guys are following the podcast closely, you've already heard from him once, but back then he only wanted to have his MMA debut, and now he actually has it right in front of him. July 9th at Brawl in the Berg 12 against Andy Sutu. Dude, this is a killer fight. I know you've been wanting to make your MMA debut for a while. Like we said, what's it feel like now that it's finally here, man, that you got to put ink to paper? I'm excited. Uh, I mean, everything's been – nothing's really changed, but uh, finally got something to work towards, I guess, is nice. Um, but, I mean, still training the same. Uh, today's last hard day of sparring, uh, and then we'll be two weeks out. So nothing changes. It's coming up quick, man. We won't give, you know, too much behind-the-scenes details, but – in terms of you getting signed on this fight card, you know, we had looked at you before and then kind of looked like you were going to go another way. Then you kind of came back to us on short, shorter notice and we got it done pretty quickly for you, man. What was that whole experience like for you? Because an amateur fighter, man, these are the kind of things that you, you're going to have to get used to for sure. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, so I've been around uh, the fight game for a little while now, especially the amateur game. Uh, a lot of my, like, best friends are fighting and stuff like that. So, like, I kind of expected it, especially with, like, the promotions and stuff. Like, I knew it was going to be hard to find a fight. Uh, uh, organization was taking a little bit too long. Uh, and then I hit you guys back up. And then you guys got me a got me two different names to pick from within 24 hours. Everything was signed, sealed, and delivered within 48. I mean, you guys on your end did fantastic. Obviously, uh, on our end, uh, Sucker Punch, I mean, the best in the biz. So, I mean, they were all over it. Yeah, they're awesome to work with, man. You've been awesome to work with, too. That's one thing that definitely stands out to me is kind of your maturity for such a young guy new to the fight game as well. I think it's interesting, you know, we talked about it on the last podcast, so I'm not going to totally rehash it, but you mentioned how wrestling in college kind of helped you develop that, how when you got to college, you weren't remotely the same guy that you are today. Now, I just want to hammer home, like you've graduated since that podcast, graduated college, first generation graduate. I know you're super proud of that, man. What does that feel like? What was that celebration like for you, the graduation? It was awesome, man. I mean, just to see like, uh it my biggest accomplishment so far uh in my life so uh i mean it, it was awesome having my whole family there uh i think i think my my college coaches were pretty proud of me seeing how how much i've grown up since i was 18 years old um and they they're really the people that instilled kind of who i am uh from that age of 18 to 22 i mean they were they were my family everybody there at wvu was uh, it was my family, and they've kind of instilled a certain uh, work ethic in me that I've, I've been carrying with me. Yeah, I think it's always interesting when a wrestler or any college athlete, for that matter, goes to the next level and takes on that next chapter of their life. Do you feel kind of blessed that you have MMA to transition right into? I mean, this is obviously going to be taking up a lot of your time now. It's like you, I'm sure you're still going to have to figure some things out, but you got MMA there as kind of a base, right? Yeah, uh, honestly, it couldn't have worked out better. I mean, it's been the plan for a little while now. It was just uh, kind of putting everything in line uh, and being sure I really wanted to wanted to do it. 
but obviously I've been training for like three years at Immortal uh, and it was really just kind of going and when it came time putting pen to paper doing what I needed to do stuff started to fall into place obviously I got with sucker punch um, and I mean it seems to me like everything just keeps working out so I'm gonna just keep doing what I'm doing yeah, man, it's cool to see the moves that you've made and the things that you got in place already. You know, like you said, working at Immortal, we got to talk about that a little bit, man. What's it like just knowing that you're at a gym like that right off the bat? You got Matt Brown, Mark Coleman. I mean, absolute legends of the fight game there. How much confidence does that give you? Uh, I mean, as far as an amateur fighter in the game, I don't think I, I don't think there's very many people that have what I have. I'm blessed when it comes to what that what that is, but I've definitely I've put in the hours, so I think they find something in me uh, to where they'll put in hours into me. Like uh, obviously, like talent and whatnot, but I, I've been I think representing Immortal pretty well for the past past three years. So, uh, but I mean, Mark's definitely taken me. Miles Robinson, AJ Dodson, and Josh Pereira kind of under his under his wing, especially in the last month or so. Uh, I like to call it the the new Hammer House. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's a pretty big torch to carry, though. At the same time, man, do you feel that? Like, do you feel like you're representing Coleman and Matt Brown and Immortal? Do you feel kind of that weight on your shoulder a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Uh, but, I mean, I, I'm not really one to shy away from pressure. You can see that if you follow me on Instagram or do, like, I, I'm going to promote myself. I'm going to do what I want to do. Uh, I mean, in reality, I think a lot of people are scared to promote themselves for whatever reason that is. I think a lot of it's fear of losing, of not being successful in the fight game. But in reality, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think representing Immortal and Mark Coleman and everything they stand for, it's a little bit of pressure, but, I mean, I can handle it. Yeah, you said something really interesting there that I want to loop back to, and that's the promoting yourself and how a lot of people maybe are afraid to put themselves out there for fear of failure, which I think is very real. Um, is that something that you talk about with Matt and Mark? Because you want to talk about two, like we said, absolute legends of the fight game who took their lumps. It's not like they're undefeated, not like they never stumbled in their careers or anything like that. They took their lumps. They learned from their losses. Like, it, do you ever have those kind of conversations with them? Like, how to handle adversity or how to handle a loss if and when it might happen? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark is kind of has a, a interesting perspective when it comes to like promotion. He, and he like he's like, you got to make sure you're going out and you're promoting yourself, posting, doing this, that. And it's not what I expected Mark Coleman to say. Uh, yeah. Matt's kind of uh, Matt kind of does it. Doesn't really talk about it much. Uh, he's he's got a lot of businesses, stuff like that. Uh, he's a busy guy. Um, but I see a lot of people like I, I. The only other podcast I watched, other than Ethan's, of course, was uh, was Kama's. And Kama was kind of like alluding to like a lot of people are Instagram fighters and stuff like that, which I do think is true. Um, 
but it's also like you got to promote yourself especially now in the game if you want to be able to like actually make a living off of fighting um especially at the amateur level so it's like trying to find the balance within that is uh is interesting but when it comes to like taking l's and stuff um we'll see when it happens i've taken up plenty of losses in wrestling um obviously getting knocked out colds a little bit different but i mean i've talked to matt about like every time cowboy fights i'm like dude how do you deal with you getting like it's all over instagram every time cowboy fights so that switch kick left kick right up right up to the jaw when in the fight that matt was winning um and he's like dude it's part of the game there's wins and there's losses yeah, you stick around long enough in the fight game and you're going to lose. I mean, we've seen it with everybody. There's, you know, that very, very select few, the John Jones, the Khabib, that get out without ever really being on the wrong end of a highlight reel. But for 99.9% of everybody else, man, you stick around and it's going to happen. And like you said, that's just the fight game. So I think having a guy like Matt Brown, especially, he's he's a perfect example of it. Like you said, he's a guy that has taken those losses, but at the same time, Nobody on earth will ever question Matt Brown's toughness or desire to win a fight. Like he's the perfect example of just never quitting and just being that guy that when Matt Brown's fighting, man, that's just not a fight you're going to miss. No. And Matt, Matt's had a lot of close fights. I mean, you look at Matt Brown's record, you might, I mean, it's not, it's not stellar. He would even say that. Like, it's not even, it's probably, I don't even know what it is. I know he's got a lot of fights. Uh, he's got a lot of losses. He's got a lot of wins, though. Uh, and it's like he goes out to fight every single time, so it doesn't matter. That last fight with Barboza, it was a that was a barn burner. So, like, I mean, if you're going to go out and lose a questionable decision like that, I mean, Dana, I'm pretty sure Dana got him a new contract after that. So... I mean, you're doing something right if you're lo- if you're technically losing fights. I don't think you lost, but whatever. But mm-hmm. if you're technically losing fights and you're getting a contract the same day, you're doing something. Yeah, he's definitely that kind of fighter that even in a loss can still look good for himself. Like you said, that Barbarina fight's like the perfect example of that. A lot of people would argue, just like you did, that Brown definitely won that fight. And had he been on the receiving end of that victory, he'd be coming off two straight wins right now and have some momentum back in his career. But – it's Matt Brown, man. Like like we said, if he's fighting, he's got momentum. It's not like nobody's going to miss a Matt Brown fight anyway. But I did look it up. He's actually 23 and 19. Yeah. So there you go. Almost, yeah. you know, 500. But I didn't realize he had that many fights, man, to be honest. That was a lot more than I thought. I mean, he's been in the game for ever. I mean, I don't know what uh, ultimate fighter season he was on, but since then, he hasn't left the UFC, um, mm-hmm. I, I think. And he... I mean, he has some fights where he was – that Robbie Waller fight, that's that's a barn burner. Um, he was beating Cowboy when that fight came came up. Like, he was winning – he was up 2-0 on, on Cowboy when Cowboy uh, knocked him out in the beginning of that third round. So, yep. I mean, he's got – and he put together a string of wins right before he fought Robbie Waller. So he, if he would have beat Waller, he would have maybe won the title. Yeah, absolutely, man. And like you said, it was a barn burner that he definitely was in all the way. It's kind of crazy, dude. I pulled up his topology. He was on Ultimate yeah. Fighter Season 7 in 2008, which would have made you like six or seven years old. <laughs> I would admit, yeah. Yeah. That's, I was born that's in insane. 
Yeah, I was eight years old. Now I remember watching them on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, that's I grew up unbelievable. Watching Ultimate Fighter, so yeah. Dude, so like that—that's got to be cool for Matt too. Like, I'd love to talk to him at some point on the podcast. It's got to be cool to have a kid like you in his gym who's literally been watching him since they were eight years old. Like, that's—that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, uh, I know. With Matt, the—the the biggest thing for him about owning that gym is the kids. Uh, obviously, I was talking to him about. We got one kid that started coming in when he was thirteen. 14 maybe and he uh me and mark convinced him to wrestle uh after because he was like a little kickboxer he had like a puffy puffy fro and like uh he's from algeria and he's like uh like a just straight off of off of a different country like and barely he was super quiet kid made it to the state tournament as a freshman second year wrestling uh, That's nuts. Has that mentality? He, uh, it's just like seeing those kids kind of develop and stuff like that is is wild for uh, a mortal, and and Matt's the reason behind it, obviously. Yeah, I mean he's the driving force behind so much, and I think represents Ohio MMA extremely well, too. I mean I know Ohio freaking loves him, and I know you're an Ohio boy as well, but. You do got that Morgantown WVU appeal. I think this fight at the Meadows, at the Hollywood Casino at the Meadows in Washington, I expect some serious, you know, Lucas Siebert support there, man. We won't pull back the curtain too much, but we know the ticket sales and we can see when people choose certain fighters to represent. And you, you've had quite a few people buying tickets for you already. So how do you expect the environment to be for you there on July 9th? Um, pretty nice. Uh, it's going to be a good day. Uh, I mean, give it six minutes of hell and then uh, hang out with my people afterwards. I ain't never been to a casino, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It's funny, man. We we were talking about how you kind of had things more buttoned up than, than the average amateur fighter. And coming across your profile, you see this like gear sportswear. You got your whole sniper Siebert line. I just want to talk about this for a second. Like, how did this come to be? Because this is definitely not something that you typically see for an amateur fighter. So, I mean, when it comes to uh, uh, gear, like, they're a great company. And that's that's a way, like I said, for an amateur fighter to make money. If you're smart and you promote yourself, you can make money that way. I, I, I'm trying to, like, get ahead of the game when it comes to that. Uh, I have a decent following from everything. And gear does a great job of promoting. So I'm not going to say no to opportunities is kind of the the thing that I realized fast is like um, I've had gear. I got with gear as soon as the NIL thing came out and I knew it was going to be more for my MMA career than my wrestling career. Um, and then like when UFC Fight Pass hit me up, I was like hesitant. And then I was like, I can't, I sent it to Ethan, actually, I think. And Ethan probably doesn't know how much of a name. He was like, he was like, are you serious? I was like, I don't know if I should do this. He's like, are you serious? I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. That sounds dumb. To not <laughs> to say no to UFC Fight Pass as somebody who hasn't fought. I was like, oh, that sounds stupid. But it's almost like, oh, I think Ethan, Ethan was like, dude, you got to let your nuts hang. I was like, all right. And I just kind of 
kind of gone off that since uh, just kind of you know going out and doing my doing my thing promoting myself uh that sniper gear the the take me home shirt that i released that did very very well um that's the one that it, it's already done so can't cop that but all the sniper stuff's available until my flight um maybe a little maybe a week or so after so maybe i can get some fans out in the arena on july 9th you know yeah. some smiles and waves get some people to buy some stuff absolutely dude that'd be sick and I, I can't let the podcast go without asking about the dog that just jumped on your lap what's what's the pup's name uh this is zoe she uh she's uh it's me and my girl's dog she's a shih tzu chihuahua she's about five pounds and she's over here causing a ruckus so i it sounds I'd, right i would uh humble her and make her sit on my lap oh such a good dog dad <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect, dude. Uh, we we have a German Shepherd as well, and she definitely keeps us honest. We'll say she's a freaking maniac, dude. They're yeah. they're the best, though. They are the best. Yeah, I mean, she's a lot a lot smaller than a German Shepherd. <laughs> Slightly, yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, she's a little <laughs> she's a little gremlin though. She's uh she definitely causes a lot of problems. But uh yeah, it's me and my girl's dog. I'm actually watching. My girl moved to PA already. She's uh we're living in Cranberry Township. Nice. Um, and the transition to Pittsburgh is going to be, I think, a pretty smooth one. But I'm still going to be bouncing. Uh, between, yeah. uh, I've been training at Strong Style a lot. Uh, I go up Tuesdays and occasionally Thursdays, uh, making some good connections there. Um, basically just following Mark around wherever he thinks I should go, doing whatever he thinks I should do. Yeah. Well, that's a good call. I mean, when you got guys yeah. like that to follow their lead, it makes your life a whole lot easier, especially early on while you're still getting your feet wet. It's funny because you do have things pretty well under control, I would say. Like when I look at the way you're handling your amateur career, I think it's a good template for a lot of young fighters to follow, I would say. But having guys like Mark, Matt, obviously is going to make that a lot easier for you. But I'm glad you brought up the move to Pittsburgh because I didn't know we, we had talked about that previously just in text, but I didn't know if that was something that was actually out there that you wanted to talk about or tell the world. But I mean, that's going to be an interesting transition for you. Like where are you looking to train once you do move here full time? Uh, so like I said, it's, I'm moving to Cranberry. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of shopping. You know, a little bit. I got connections. Obviously, I've trained at Commas Gym before. I know that's a little bit south, so that's kind of a drive. I've trained at Stout, uh, like, on uh, Main Street or whatever. It's a strip district. I've trained at Stout Strip District before. Uh, I'm interested in the factory for sure. And then uh, Stout has, like, different locations. The Zen – is it Zenlope? Zillianopel, yeah. Yeah, wasn't going to pronounce that right. Um, <laughs> I – might end up training there a little bit. They got some some good people. Uh, I got a pretty good friend, Taylor Charlo's a, a blue belt out of there. So uh, nice. just shop around, and then uh, when it comes to camp, I'm coming. I'm coming back to Immortal for the most part, uh, and and doing it there. Get well, I should have. Yeah, I should have known you already did your research, but I was definitely going to recommend Stout and Zelian Opal for you being in Cranberry. That's going to be really close to you, I think, maybe 15 minutes or so. Yeah, I think it is 15 minutes. Uh, when we were apartment shopping, that's what I was doing. I was I was like, no, nah, I'll just stay in the car. <laughs> I'm looking for gyms. You go ahead look for a place yeah. to live. All I care about is the gym. <laughs> yeah, 
that's that's <laughs> perfect dude so on the fight itself man we didn't really talk about the fight itself too much but we talked about how we found you this fight and then you kind of signed the contract instantly your opponent signed the contract pretty much instantly it was a done deal like you said within 48 hours or so what like did it even matter the opponent that we gave you though it seemed like you just wanted to fight no it didn't the only thing that mattered was uh like i said a couple times like i know i know i'm gonna end up turning that stout so i was like i don't want to stout or uh uh commas gym or yeah. or even factory so it was kind of like obviously you guys are pittsburgh based promotion so it was kind of like i just don't want to have like the awkward gym atmosphere Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, no, you could have, I mean, given me just about anybody and I probably would have took him. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty confident in my abilities. So wherever, wherever the fight, the fight goes, I think I'll be all right. Yeah. You got a guy in Sudo, man, who's older, more experienced. You know, he has an amateur fight under his belt and also tons of years of experience in the gym. And his teammate, Rachel Greenwood fought for us back at Braun the Berg 11. I want to say one of the ones in Monroeville earlier this year against Willow Morton and looked really, really good, man. She impressed all of us, and we still keep in touch with her. We would love to get her back at some point, too. So I have a feeling that Sudo is going to be totally game, totally polished everywhere it goes. I remember being very impressed with Rachel, how well-rounded she looked. You know, I thought Willow was going to have a huge advantage in the wrestling department, but that didn't really pan out that way in that fight. So Rachel impressed me and I expect the same from Andy. So it seems like a banger of a fight, man. Obviously you being a, a D one wrestler, the wrestling background, maybe people expect you to go to your wrestling, but what would you tell people is going to happen in this fight? I would tell people I am, I'm a wrestler first, but I'm, well, I'm a, as far as it comes to like the different parts i mean obviously it comes to wrestling boxing kickboxing whatnot jiu-jitsu i'm a wrestler first but in reality i'm a fighter i can i can i'll be all right anywhere i have very very much confidence in my abilities um wherever the fight wants to take place um andy i mean he seems game i he's impossible to find anything on i don't know no, i know even oh yeah I guess I'll I'll see on way in day if he's even real. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm looking him up. I'm like, damn. I know I know he's in Canada, but Canada's right next door. He's the, the closest part too. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Lucy, stop. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It, it's, I couldn't find much about their gym, anything. But I know it's wild. Time. It's wild, man. They have, they do have internet. So I would say the same thing to Andy. I don't know why Andy's so hard to find info on, but Rachel was the same way. So maybe they're just kind of a, a more private gym, private place. And maybe that's a reason why, you know, Willow did struggle at times in that fight. Um, it's tough when you can't find tape on your opponent, I'm sure. But like, like we said, you know, you're a debut amateur as well. There's obviously wrestling footage of you out there and some grappling footage and this and that, but there's nothing really out there of you showcasing your full abilities. I don't think. Nope. Uh, I, I will. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited. I. Uh, I think it's gonna be. It's gonna be a good one. I think obviously I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of there, um, in, in six minutes or less with a with a W under my belt. Um, and it'll be, it'll be a fun one. Yeah, I think kind of like the theme of this podcast that we talked about so much is how you've structured your 
amateur career and how you've structured this plan for yourself, how hard is it then to not get ahead of yourself and think about turning pro and think about getting to the UFC or whatever it may be? Like, how do you keep yourself grounded and just understand that it's a step-by-step process? Oh, no. He froze with the sassiest look on his face. <laughs> this is great. Oh, man. Lucas froze on us. Froze cold. First round knockout. Well, no, we're almost 25 minutes in. This is the championship rounds. So he got taken out by the internet. But uh, we'll get him back in here, here in a second. Uh, let me shoot him a text. Nice. We'll get him back in here in a second. But, yeah, I mean, this is a phenomenal fight, guys. Like, I can't overstate how good this fight is, not only on paper, but how good I think it's going to be inside the cage, too. I mean, it's it's a banger. Like we said, Andy is totally game. I know people might look at Lucas coming into this, the D1 wrestler, the hype, the Matt Brown, Mark Coleman connection in his corner. But, like... Andy Sudu is not a pushover. That's one thing I can guarantee based on his experience, based on the gym he's coming from, based on what we saw from Rachel and just what we've heard from him. A guy isn't going to accept a fight against a D1 wrestler unless he's pretty sure that he'll be okay in the wrestling department. Like somebody with very weak wrestling wouldn't be from Canada. Nonetheless, it's not like he's in Washington or in Pittsburgh and this is an easy trip for him. He's not going to come the whole way from Canada just to get smashed by a wrestler. So I think Andy is going to be very game. This is going to be an amazing fight. We got Lucas back. Look so my, my phone just overheated because we were outside. Um, uh, I, got, nice. I got the little temp like thermometer thing. And I was like, oh, that's good. Um, Damn, yeah, I, I don't remember where we were necessarily. Either. You, were, uh, you asked me um, how do I kind of like stay grounded and humble i guess is the yeah yeah just in in terms of your career like not not getting six steps ahead and thinking about your pro debut or thinking about the ufc like how do you just stay in the moment um well uh you gotta win fights so i mean you gotta go out and actually perform or if nothing matters uh you can have all the potential in the world but if you go out and you're zero and three it does not matter so right now i'm oh no so i'm in reality I'm a nobody. Um, you got to go out. You got to win fights. This is the first step. Um, and I think I know that fairly well. I've been around a lot of people that are high level, um, obviously, in MMA with Matt and Mark, in wrestling with living in Columbus my entire life, being around the Ohio State guys uh, at WVU. Like, I've been around a lot of high level people, so I know I know what uh, the character takes to be at like a high level guy um and then i also know you got to go out and you got to perform so yeah that's true man and the interesting thing about amateurs too that i think people forget is like once you turn pro man that record resets to o and o and kind of yeah. people for people kind of forget about your amateur career to a degree now if you go like 12 and 0 as an amateur or something crazy they'll obviously talk about that but for most guys it's a reset like taking a loss as an amateur is definitely not the end of the world by any means. And in fact, a lot of the best fighters on earth took a lot of losses as amateurs because this is all about learning, all about developing. So, like, is that something that you consciously think about going into this fight? Like, man, this this is about reps and experience. It's not necessarily about going out and 
blowing, you know, setting the world on fire. Yeah, I'm well aware um, of like of the amateur scene, uh, obviously, um, when it comes to everything. I know, like, obviously you go 0-0 when, when you go pro. Um, right now, one of my best friends kind of, uh, Josh Pereira, he's in the transitioning period. He's like six and – I think six and one and one. His last fight was a draw in amateurs, which is wild. Um, but but uh, it's like, all right, man, well, are we ready or do we kind of – we transition pro or we want to get a couple more amateur fights. And, uh, and I've kind of seen his whole career develop. I met him when he was on one and now, I mean, what was seven fights from then. So I, I kind of know the behind the scenes that goes on. Um, and obviously I know you can start off zero and one and be a champion in multiple divisions as an amateur. So Pereira's kind of given me, uh, he's kind of lived it, uh while i'm out uh in morgantown wrestling and stuff so that's awesome and i think it's even interesting as a pro if you look at a lot of pros who started their careers zero and one or or upside down at a minimum on their record and still went on to do amazing things it's crazy man mma is it's such a process it's a lifelong journey of getting better like you see guys like matt for instance matt brown still getting better 41 years old and still learning new tricks like it's a sport that you can never actually master. There's always something new to learn, always something new to improve upon. Now your body of course will break down and your reflexes might slow down and things like that. But it's a long haul, dude. Is, is that how you're looking at it right now? Like this is it, like this is your career. This is what you're going to do with your life. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the plan. Obviously, like I said, you got to go out and you got to win. I mean, if I go, if I go all in four, might change plans but uh <laughs> as of right now uh that is that is my plan um i i love it i've loved mma since i was a little kid grew up watching ultimate fighter now i'm kind of kind of living the world where i'm like i i it's kind of surreal sometimes where you're like all right well i'm headed down i'm headed to uh Steve Miocic's gym with Mark Coleman to go train with a guy that's about to go in the UFC. And it's just like, sometimes I'm in my head and I'm like, wow, this is, this is a lot. But um, that's what you need. Um, challenging yourself every day, surrounding yourself with people that are better than you, people that are more high level. And then eventually you'll kind of uh, mesh into that pack, which I think I'm, I'm doing. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to point out one more thing that you're kind of doing on the side that I think is interesting for people, this wrestling mindset coach. You, you still doing that? Yeah. Uh, I have a lot of clients right now. I have the most I've ever had. I think I have eight, about to be nine um, kids from all around the country. Um, and so my degree at WVU was sport and exercise psychology. So it blended in perfect. Uh, I started working mindset uh january and i've had clients since then i've had probably about 20 off and on you know people come and go as the season ends i have one kid that uh is going to campbell university xander fatoris he's he's headed there uh i got a couple high level high school kids and a couple high level like younger kids uh and it's cool to kind of give back to wrestling while i'm still competing um it's it's humbling and i can also learn a little bit while it goes obviously when it comes to sports psychology it's like 
like I can implement it into my game too. So it's like I have all the material that comes with wrestling mindset and I can kind of fill it out myself as it goes. Or while I'm asking these kids questions, I'll answer their questions on my end and be like, all right, well, this is how I would answer this. Um, but it's cool to be a mentor to the, the young people in the game. Uh, sports psychology is a very under underutilized thing, but it's growing. Uh, it's something I wish I had in high school. I was a kind of a guy that never really reached his potential, especially in high school. Um, and I knew that, which is why I went D1 is because I was like, I know I'm good enough. I just didn't get to go out. I didn't perform how I should have. And I think I proved that in my career. Um, but I think sports psychology is a huge thing. And just like what wrestling mindset is not necessarily sports psychology. It's its own thing. It's its mindset company with like its own um, day-to-day kind of material curriculum. But um, I love it. It's, I mean, it's couldn't have worked out better. Yeah. It's an awesome company, man. And just another example of the ways that you're branching out and kind of setting yourself up for success in so many different ways. I think it's interesting because you see a lot of UFC fighters even struggle with this and you'll, you'll see some of the guys that will do like the interviews or they'll work the desk or they'll get into commentary. They'll kind of start branching out to set these things in motion, but it's just, it's really interesting to see a debuting amateur such as yourself already with the clothing line, with the mindset coaching, with like all these other little things, awesome representation from sucker punch. Like, there's so much about what you're doing that I think younger fighters can emulate and should should try to emulate. So I'm excited, man. We're obviously excited to have your fight, dude. I mean, as you know, we've been texting and talking for a while now. Like we we've wanted you in our cage all along. I think that was pretty obvious. We we never show bias or anything like that. But when you get a guy from WVU, a wrestler like yourself, that's an interesting dude as well. That's you know that's a no brainer for us. Yeah, for sure, man. All right, dude, I'm not going to take up too much more of your time, man. This fight, everybody listening, Lucas Siebert versus Andy Sudu going down Saturday, July 9th at the Hollywood Casino at the Meadows. Brawl in the Berg 12. Tickets are live at 247fighting.com. When you check out, you can choose the fighter you're supporting. So if you want to show Lucas a little love, pick his name, and he'll get a little percentage of that sale. So, Or if you're supporting somebody else, go support them. But like supporting your local fighters, supporting local MMA, that's huge, man. This is how these guys get to the next level. Whenever we do have a comma worthy, you know, a Cody Garbrandt and Adam Milstead, Chris Dempsey, Dominic Mazzotta, these guys that do get to the next level from Pittsburgh, this is how it happens. It all starts here. So that's going to be Lucas's debut. Obviously a very, very highly anticipated fight. We'll see you then, man. We'll see you uh, Friday for weigh-ins, actually, and then we'll get down to business on Saturday. Yeah, got to make the first fight first, getting that getting that weight off. Uh, shout out, Sucker Punch. Uh, go get your gear still at uh, at Gear Sportswear. There's sniper gear. Shout out Hobo Chic, uh, my buddy's company. Immortal Martial Arts, Hammer House, and the Sniper Gang. Got them all here. I'll give a shout out to Hobo Chic here. Yeah, that's my boy, Cal's company. Small little company, but uh, they do everything right. That's good stuff. Good people, man. Awesome. Well, dude, it was a pleasure once again, man. You're always welcome on the podcast, and we'll certainly catch up in Washington, and then hopefully post-fight maybe we can go win some money at the Hollywood Casino too. (laughs) (laughs) Take care, brother. Yeah, later, man.